Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Next, on the OHIO Podcast, we review Ohio State's win over Iowa, and we do a deep dive into Ohio State's running game woes. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, reporting live from an absolutely gorgeous North Central Ohio, where I'm joined by not one, but two co-hosts today. Chris Wilds, who's joining me from Marion, Ohio. How's your Sunday going, Chris? Oh, man, it's been a great day, Eric. I mean, beautiful day. Great day yesterday. Beautiful day down there at uh, the shoe yesterday. We had a really great time out there uh, getting to just hang out and meet some very interesting people uh, uh, yesterday. So, yeah, it's, it's been an awesome weekend. And I'll tell you what, I, I was the guy who kept saying how much I love the cold. I, I, I would take this every day of the year. Uh, it's just beautiful. And from Texas, Aaron Brown, how's it going down there in the Lone Star State, brother? going pretty well man can't can't complain about our weather either <laughs> Buckeyes won of course there you go there you go and that's exactly what we're going to talk about is the big 54 to 10 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes yesterday um they are who we thought they are as far as their offense that's for sure my gosh that was disgusting but before we get into that, you know, was what wasn't disgusting was the awesome tailgate experience we had. We want to thank Ryan Wickerham again for inviting Chris, myself, the OHIO podcast out. We had some great interviews, which we've posted one already. The other one with uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba's father will be posted soon. And, of course, we uh, have one with Chris, the gentleman who was running the tailgate. And uh, we walked around the parking lot to other tailgates, had a very interesting story about um, Woody Hayes from a from – a, yeah. uh, from someone who went to school in the 60s that was that was awesome can't wait to post that one and then we had an interesting one that uh, quite frankly cannot be posted because that we be get taken down iowa fans? yeah that was the one with the iowa fan who brought out an award that let's just say made our conversation about woody hats last uh thursday uh g rated g yeah what oh yeah oh yes dude you can't <laughs> just a very special award aaron the people want to know. Let no. us tell us the story. No, no, we can't. It can go on. The, why? It can go on the podcast. Yes, can I just it give cannot. them the name of the award, Eric? Sure. We, we can't even say the name of the award. I, I don't even know we can, to be honest. 
I really like, don't. <laughs> I like well, because we we have a family rating on our show. Like we technically have a family rating, which is why we don't swear and and I don't right. swear anyways. Okay. But, but right. we I didn't know lose, it was that bad. We would lose. Oh yes, we would lose that. We would lose. Oh that. But, goodness. Okay. <laughs> anywho, other than that moment, uh, a lot of the Iowa fans were a lot of fun. Uh, they they were they were great. Uh, ran into Art Schleister yesterday. Um, so got got to meet him. Um, I know he's dealt with a lot of uh, troubles in his life, uh, and again lately. And so, I'm pulling for the guy, man. He, you know, once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. So I'm pulling for the man. But uh, it was nice to meet him, and uh, it was just a fun day. Fun day yeah, down I at the shoot. Uh, JT Tuwuau's parents. Yes, we did. They were they, they were a lot very of fun. nice folks. And uh, briefly got to uh, meet Jackson Smith and Jigba's brother, the young man uh, who plays for the Pirates. Speaking of Pittsburgh, that's yeah. right. That's so cool. a lot of, a lot of good, a lot of good fun down there. Can't wait to do a, a show down there next year again. Um, so be on the lookout for a lot of those videos. All right, guys, fifty-four to ten, Ohio State stomps Iowa, and it was for the, a forty-four point win. I mean, honestly, it was kind of ugly. We did not play very well. Uh, I think we should have won this game somewhere around seventy-one or more to to three, if we actually play up to our potential. Uh, maybe even more than that. Um, so. Let's dive into our initial reactions. Aaron, I'll let you go first, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you kind of summed it up right there, man. It's it, They looked really out of sync, just out of touch with one another in the first half. I, and, and I got to give props to Iowa's defense. You know, they, they played they played really well. They stayed home. Uh, they, they occupied their zones. They didn't get uh, fooled by any of the routes that we ran. Uh, they just they, – they attacked this, the gaps, um, which is actually something – that Alabama likes to do. They attack gaps. That's how that's that's why we didn't run the ball very well. They did a really good job of doing that. Um, however, the second half was another story, <laughs> as we all saw. Uh, they finally started clicking. And I, I got to say, it just it goes in line with with everything we've seen out of Coach Day. You know, he is like the king of second half adjustments and against Iowa was no different. Chris, well, I'll tell you, Eric. Uh, you know, I, that first half, I well, and, and I sent you the message about halfway through there. They're like, you, you were just commenting on how bad Iowa's offense was, and I said at that point we weren't too far behind them. Well, C.J. Stroud just shut me up. You know, he came out and had that huge second half. But uh, I'll tell you, what impressed me most was this defense. I mean, I know Iowa's a bad offense, but come on. I mean, it was just disgusting what, you know, what we did to that Iowa offense. Uh, you know, we, we held them to three points. Uh, of course, that other seven came on the fumble by uh, CJ. Uh, the efficiency in which our defense operated, and I mean, what, what I can't even remember what the stats were from yesterday, but the third down, they, they could not buy a first down for the longest time. Iowa couldn't six takeaways. I mean, what, what I saw yesterday was a championship caliber defense. We've been seeing it building up. And, and I think we'd all said that coming in this game, not only offensively, but specifically defensively, because they were so bad, this needed to be a statement game. And Eric, this was a statement game. We really dominated defensively and I absolutely loved it. So there was a lot of interesting things about this football game that I know we're going to dive into as we hand out Buckeye leaves and talk about who who wins the uh, individual awards and answer the questions. We got a lot of really good questions here later on. But the one thing I'm going to say, and, and this is this is me taking off my scarlet and gray colored glasses and, and, and not being Mr. Positivity, if we play a first half like that against – the team up north, a Tennessee, an Alabama, a Georgia, we're going to lose that game. You've got to play 60 minutes, and you've got to play your best ball for 60 minutes if you're going to be a national championship team. This is a team with national championship uh, uh, goals and aspirations. And you're going to have – I know every team has that game. And if, 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 if we have that game and it's still a 54-10 win, obviously we're a very, very good football team. And, I, and I'm not taking anything away from us. 
But our inability to run the football is is astonishing. And I understand that Iowa is a very, very good defense. And we still scored 54 points. I, I get it. I understand, everybody. I know. But I'm just telling you, there are teams up ahead of us. If we're going to win a national championship with this offensive line, is going to have to win the line of scrimmage in the run game. It has to. Ryan Day preached that all offseason. This was the first time this year where I looked at look, you know, I looked over the game and thought to myself, someone made us one dimensional. Now, thankfully, that one dimension still got us, you know, 40 some points offensively. But there's going to be defenses. There's going to be teams we play whose offenses don't put their defense in the position that Iowa's offense put their defense consistently on Saturday. And that would look like a totally different football game. So that's my initial reaction. That's me not being positive for the rest of the show. I promise you I'll be much more positive, but I did want to be real with all of you all that I, you know, as, as a fan and as someone who watches the game closely, I did see what we, what you all (laughs) call as well. All right. That being said, let's go ahead and move on to our offensive and defensive grades. Uh, I'll go ahead and uh, start first here, guys. And let me go ahead and pull up our little report cards because that's where I've got all of our statistics for this game. Let's go ahead and start with the uh, with the offense. We had 294 passing yards against the Hawkeyes, only 66 rushing yards, like I said. That's a total of only 360 yards. I understand it. I said only, but, you know, we have been hitting 500, 600 consistently. That's 5.8 yards per play. We had 16 first downs. Here was something that was a little alarming. Our third down efficiency, only three of 13 on Saturday. Time of possession was 30 minutes and 46 seconds, and we did turn the football over two times. My offensive grade was a B. Chris? Yeah, I'm there with you, Eric. I, th- I think a B is, is fair. Um, I was actually tending towards B minus just because of our inefficiency to run the ball. But I'm going to go with a B just because CJ was able to come out, overcome his his uh, turnovers, overcome the lack of a running game, and, and really have a solid game. Uh, the receivers played great. Uh, again, I thought that uh, – Stover had a very nice game, so I'm going to go B overall. Aaron, offensive letter grade. I'm going with a C plus. I thought they looked very average. I I can't even hope, pull any punches here. Um, <laughs> the running game, Eric, like you said, you know, and and this isn't negativity. This is just this is what happened, plain and simple. You know, two turnovers, can't run the ball. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, man. If we played Alabama. I don't know that we win that ball game. Uh, the defense did really well. We'll discuss that in a moment. But as for the offense, man, I that that can't happen. That cannot happen. Not against Tennessee. Not against Georgia. Not against that team up north. Uh, heck, even I mean, even next week against Penn State. You know, we this this cannot be a thing. Third down efficiency was awful. Three for thirteen. I mean, yeah, we were three for three on fourth, but. Why are we getting to that point? If you want to right. win a national title game, you got to do better than that. Only 16 first downs yards per play was less than six. Um, and yeah, Chris, they, they overcame everything. And, and that is resiliency. And you do have to have that for a national championship team. No question. But man, this was just this was a little rough. Not going to lie. C plus. Go ahead, Chris. What were you going to say? It's a lot rough. But as far as I'm going to look at the yards per play and maybe the lack of overall yardage that, you know, what we're used to. And let's remember, we spent a whole lot of time on a short field. Yeah, but we also spent a whole lot of time on a short field kicking field goals, too, Chris. We did. And now, I mean, we had, what, two possessions where we gained one yard and four yards uh, on those possessions? That, that, That can't happen. No, yeah, exactly. When a, when a team yep. coughs up the football to you on their side of the 50 and you're only coming away with threes, that's a win on their, for them. It is. It's Absolutely. a win for their defense. So, all right, let's turn it over to our defensive side. Hold a, a totally different uh, conversation here. Passing yards allowed, 81. Rushing yards allowed, only 77. That's a total yardage allowed of only 158 on Saturday. 
the Hawkeyes managed to average 2.7 yards per play. They did get eight first downs. Their third down efficiency was one of 13. They spent 29 minutes and 14 seconds on the field. And yes, they had, count them, six turnovers. That's putrid. That's putrid from their part. Great on our part, but let's be honest, man. It's not like some of those turnovers we truly forced. I mean, you're dropping snaps. You're throwing the ball right to uh, the defense on two occasions. I mean, not even a receiver anywhere near that first that first play. Dallas <laughs> was just like licking his chops when he well, saw that. Release. There was an Iowa fan who said, "You spent all." All you spent your entire bye week, and the first play you run is rolling out and throwing it to the defense. <laughs> I, mean, that's, <laughs> that's, I heard that fan. Yes, I mean it is is bad. It was bad from their part, but hey, we capitalized on a defense, so you got to give our defense credit for that. Uh, Aaron, I'll let you go first since you went last on offense. What was your defensive letter grade for Saturday? I said an A plus. I mean, it's not every day you can hold any Division One FBS team to 158 total yards. I don't care who it is. That is solid, you know. Um, I don't care how bad their offense is. That's, that is really good. Third down efficiency, one of 13. Fourth down was one of four. Uh, you, you mentioned it, the turnovers. And while I respect what you're saying, I don't want to say that we did force it, but it's important to be in the right place, and our guys were. And that's why those interceptions happened. You know, I talked a little bit about like forcing outside throws. And even though the play design was to the outside, the defense recognized that and they came away with the interception. So, I I mean, that's I I can't 2.7 yards per play, man. They they killed it. I was very proud of this defensive effort. Only eight first downs. Um, (laughs) That's an A plus effort, in my opinion. Chris, your uh, defensive letter grade. Oh, I'm A-plus as well. You know, Aaron, you just talked about that 2.7 yards per play. And and how much that was bolstered by, what, three draw plays that went for 10-plus each? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously? They, they were just dominant. There, there's no other way. And I understand Iowa is bad. But like Aaron had said, anytime you keep a Division One college team under 100 yards passing, under 100 yards rushing, under 200 yards total, and don't give up an offensive touchdown, you've had a successful day. And that doesn't even take into account the six turnovers. I gave him an A. I gave him an A. Um, I'll say this. I'm going to make a statement. and Tell me I'm wrong. Mount Union offensively would have moved the football better than what Iowa did. Absolutely. Mount Union Division Three, dude. They're good division three. Don't get me wrong. Those are those, those boys are very good football players. But uh, my gosh, that's, that was the worst offense in person I have ever seen in my life. Well, and, might have moved the ball better. <laughs> but and here's and here's the thing, I've seen Akron in person, Bowling Green. I've seen some some Mac teams come in there who weren't very good and they even moved the ball better than what Iowa could do. That is a putrid, putrid offense. And, um, and remember we had that fan who predicted they were going to score 40. <laughs> yeah. Well, that fan, who was, said that? that? Well, that fan was a little on the drinky drinky side. <laughs> was this on Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. You'll see the video. Oh my gosh. She had, she had high hopes, man. <laughs> She had some high high ups. There was a lot of Iowa fans at that tailgate who were still living in 2017, if you get my drift. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, all right, there's our report cards for the game, everybody. All right, let's hand out some Buckeye leaves, shall we? Uh, let's start. Uh, you guys want to start on offense or defense? Offense. Offense. Oh, offense first. Cool. Offensive player of the game. Here's one for you guys. I Because I figured neither one of you were going to pick gonna this. You're going to steal mine. I'm going Noah Ruggles, four for four in field goals. He was, I think, five of five in extra points. And uh, how much different would that first half have felt if Noah Ruggles wouldn't have hit a couple of those? So I'm going to say, hey, man, I know we don't like kicking field field goals, but when we do, I mean, it's nice to have a guy you can count on. So I went with Noah Ruggles as my offensive player of the game. Uh, Chris, what about you? How about this? 
How about Julian Fleming? Two catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Let's give some props up to the kid. He's, he's fighting his way into that uh, lineup wherever he can. And do you realize every game that he's taken a snap in this year, he scored a touchdown? Scored a TD. He has. He's Mr. Consistency, isn't he? A little, yeah. little bit of Chris, Chris Carter, you know, catching touchdowns every week. Uh, all right, Aaron, here we go, buddy. Offensive player of the game. I'm going to go Marvin Harrison Jr. Just because, I mean, he was, when we needed a play, he made it. Uh, and that one catch that he had, which uh, was also my offensive play of the game. But nonetheless, I'm going with Marvin Harrison Jr. Seven receptions, 62 yards, and a, and a touchdown. Uh, he's getting the nickname in Columbus of Marvin the Martian. What do you think about that one, Aaron? You hate that? No, I don't. I'm down. I love, they, it. I love it. They they say he's not human. That's what they're what it's coming from, yeah. I'm with it. I got it. Marvin Harrison, Marvin the Martian. Let's let's roll with it. All right. The offensive play of the game. Uh Aaron, you went last. I'll let you go first. Play of the game on offense was the Marvin Harrison catch. That was I mean, that was killer. I don't I don't think unless you're in that position, you really understand the concentration and skill required to make a catch like that. Uh, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I think there was like two or three defenders on him. And uh, <laughs> C.J. Stroud dropped it just, I mean, just it right in the spot where, where only Marvin could have caught it, and he did. And it was a heck of a catch, man. All right. I'm going with the C.J. Stroud to Julian Fleming 79-yard touchdown dagger uh, that sealed the, sealed the game, put it out of reach. That was my offensive play of the game. Chris? You know, I could have gone with either one of those. Both great plays. Mine wasn't quite as dynamic, but I'll tell you, I just thought it was a lot of fun to watch. How about Cade Stober with the leapfrog? <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> I loved it. I'm going with that one. Oh, I like how you worded that leapfrog. You know, that was funny because I saw where in that play, there's two defenders out there, and I think it was um, – who was in the game that made the block there? wasn't It wasn't Williams, was it? No, it was it was Travion. Yeah, Travion was out there on on uh, almost like on a, a swing pass type of thing, and he turned around and made the block on the guy coming from the inside, which left the the I think the cornerback on the outside one on one with Cade, and Cade's just like, yeah, I'll hurdle you, no problem. I mean, and it was perfect for him too. Yeah, it was like, great. But, my wife, who run, he ran hurdles in high school, she was like, oh, look at that form. Like, <laughs> like yeah, nice. Okay. <laughs> All right, flipping over to the defensive side, the defensive player of the game, Aaron. Uh, I'm going to go with Tanner McAllister uh, just because of his two interceptions. I feel like, you know, right off the jump, he got that first one on the first play of the game, and that kind of set the tone. And uh, I think that he just – he had a heck of a game. All right, Chris. I got to go with Eichenberg, man. Seven tackles, big interception, return for a touchdown. Uh, you know, I think he had a, a heck of a game again this week. The guy is the leader of that defense, and he just keeps proving why every week. This is fun. We're actually picking different stuff. I went with Zach Harrison as my defensive player of the game. Oh, yeah, he was a beast out there. Dude, I, he was a wrecking ball, man. I just had his, a number in every statistical category except for interceptions on the defense yesterday. Aaron, what were you going to say? I say I was gonna. I struggled with that pick, with that decision, because he did, man. Zach Harrison played the way that we all thought that he would, like yes. in every game. Like that is exactly. the Zach Harrison that we thought we were gonna get. And I really hope that Saturday was like the first manifestation of what's to come. I hope that he plays every single game just like that. Because if he does, that is he's gonna be in the NFL. Right now, I don't think so. But if he can finish out the season the way he played against Iowa, I think he's got a shot. Beautiful. Defensive player hit of the game, Chris. Uh you know what? I, I've gotta go with uh the first interception by Tanner McAllister, just because I think it set the tone for the defense right out of the gate, uh, for what we were gonna see the whole game. All right, give me the Tommy TD. I want to. There's nothing better than watching a defensive linebacker or defensive lineman. Well, he looked ugly getting there, didn't he? Hey, no, he made that great cutback. You yeah, know? he did. So <laughs> I was laughing because um, 
he got interviewed after the game because of the touchdown. And someone said it's almost like he was upset he scored the touchdown because that meant he had to talk to the media. (laughs) (laughs) They asked him, like, when was the last time you scored a touchdown? He's like, I don't know, eighth grade maybe. I don't know. (laughs) He he absolutely is an animal on the field, and he just hates talking to the media. And I'm I'm all for it. I love it. Um, So that means it's Aaron, your turn. Defensive player, hit of the game. Can we just call Tommy Eichenberg can just just because of the one play? I don't care if he ever scores again. Can we just call him Tommy Touchdown? Tommy TD, baby. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's uh, knock. Last time there was a <laughs> touchdown, Tommy blamed out when he got the, got to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think my play of the game is the same as Chris's actually. Uh, I I and for the same reason. Uh, the very first play of the game, Tanner McAllister picks off. You know. Uh, Petrus and I it just set the tone. I can't go any other way right now. Um who was the player that picked up the fumble on the bad snap in the second half? Um was it Jerron Cage? Yes. Okay. How or about no. Was no. it Vincent? Oh, it's Teron Vincent. It's Teron Vincent. Okay, Teron Vincent's dance. Did you see that? No. Yeah, what, what the heck was that? It was like it was like a hip thrust. It was, <laughs> it was a pelvic thrust. Uh, you ever seen that uh, those two comedians who do the AA Ron? Yeah. 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 Have you ever have you ever seen their touchdown dance one where it's like if you do two pumps it's okay but if you do the third pelvic pump it's a penalty. <laughs> That's what it was, man. Well, I was hey. like, oh, I thought for sure we were gonna get flagged for that, you know. Well, hey, you know, he could have been like Clemson and put his fingers in somebody's butt. You know, I don't know. What. Uh, that's that's true. Uh, that was uh, that could was, have been worse. Yeah, let's not go back to the uh, the, the annual exam um, incident. All right, <laughs> <laughs> he got probed. <laughs> he got probed by Clemson. All yeah. right, that's a, that's enough. This is a family friendly show. Remember, so we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got an interesting Facebook poll question. And we've got some great questions from the listeners. And, of course, we're going to take a trip around the putrid Big Ten. It's sad. It's depressing. It's what we do every week. So hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. All right, this week's Facebook poll question. Which unit would you rather have on the field in a game-winning situation? Ohio State's defense or Ohio State's offense? Those were your two options. Now, keep in mind, um, this is a question that we all would have laughed at in in the years past, okay? given how good our offense is and given how terrible our defense was. But given what we've seen this year, I really think that this is actually a legitimate question, guys. And so I'm going to start with you, Aaron. Which one did you pick? Which option did you pick and why? So I picked the defense, and really my reason was because of how you worded it. Give me the D. Okay. So what do you mean by how I worded it? What was? Can you give me a little bit more explanation? Please give me the D. You never heard that? Okay, <laughs> never okay. mind. Family friendly. I'm not going to give you any Christmas. You worded it, my dude. You worded it. I also um, worded uh, Woody hat, and apparently that's the wrong terminology. Yeah, you are just full of really awesome phrases that apparently you're not aware of what the <laughs> secondary meaning. Um <laughs> No, I, I picked the defense, though, seriously, because I, I feel like they're just they're refocused. Uh, Jim Knowles has done a magic job. Um, and, and to be clear, you can't I feel like we can't go wrong no matter what we pick. But me, I'm, I'm kind of an old school guy and I do believe the defense wins championships. Um, and, and I think that the defense that we have this year, uh, the way that they've played each game, uh, I think that is a championship caliber defense they have been completely consistent whereas the offense this season you know like Iowa they we struggled to run um Notre Dame we didn't look the best either uh but the defense they did week in and week out they are absolutely killing it okay Chris what did you pick and why yeah actually believe it or not I'm you know I'm always the big offensive guy but I'm with Aaron on this one I think that the defense 
First of all, they are playing with a tremendous amount of intensity. And I think there has been a level of consistency there that we haven't seen with the offense. So right now, I, I would hope the defense was out there. So here's the way I here's how I look at it. I'd rather have the lead at the end of the game than right. have to get score to to win the game. Okay, because that means number one, you have the lead already. All the pressures on the other team to score, as opposed to the pressure being on you to score. And the philosophy of our current defense, and this is what Jim and Jim Knowles has said this multiple times: "Give me a yard, and I'll defend it." That is that is a mindset that we have not had here for a long, long time. We have we've we have had the mindset of we will bend, but we will not break. Why why bend at all? Why bend at all? You want you? I'm not going to give you a yard at all. That is the kind of mindset that Jim Knowles has, and I I love it, and I'm I'm here for it, man. And it has worked beautifully this season. So that's one of the reasons why I would say I would want my defense out there. We have the lead, and you've got to score on us, and I've got confidence in my defense. Uh, it, it was the other way around for multiple years here at Ohio State, but we finally have a competent defense, and I love it. You know, yes. Okay, let me word it this way, guys. Let me ask you first, Aaron, and I'll get Chris. I'll get your opinion. Then we'll move on to questions. Has has Ryan Day's success and Kevin Wilson? I'll throw him, I'll lump him in there with Ryan Day. Their success of developing talent and their play calling kind of put the fan base in a false sense of security that we're just going to outscore people. I think. Th- I don't want to say that like I don't want to overgeneralize on that. You know, I don't, I don't want to say that the whole fan base feels that way. But I do think that there is that that belief amongst some of us, you know, um, and, and I think that that's a lot of us when we get into when the when the team gets into like a high scoring matchup where we have to do that. Um, I think that the positivity in us, we we want to believe that. Ryan Day's offense is is explosive enough to hang with absolutely anybody, so we just kind of discard the defensive effort. So, I mean, yes, but no, if that makes sense. It does. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to say yes, but yes. I absolutely think that uh, we are not only overconfident, but I think arrogant at times in our ability to score. Uh, You know, and the fact is, there are going to be some games where, and you mentioned it earlier, Eric, we may need the kicker to do it. There are going to be some games where the defense is going to have to, you know, have that stop because the offense, we have come to just assume that every time they go out there, they're going to get a touchdown because that's what we've become accustomed to seeing. Well, the fact is we're going to have games like yesterday where we have to kick, what, uh, four field goals in the first five possessions. I mean, it's going to happen. Um, but, and look at the response we had, and, I, and Eric, I don't say we, because I'm including myself in this, how down on the offense was I yesterday? I mean, no, we all were. Yeah. I mean, and it's because I, just like everybody else have become spoiled by what we have seen. And we have that expectation that every time that CJ and that offense get the ball, it's going in the end zone. And I think we've just had so much success <clears throat> that it's now become, not a hope, but an expectation. So Aaron and Chris, and of course I agreed with you, but only six people agreed with us in the poll question. While overwhelmingly by 80%, I don't know, like 25 votes or more. I think last time I looked, it's probably more than that now. Uh, say, give me Stroud in the offense in a game-winning situation. So I'm afraid that you're right, Chris, and that, that the fan base – right now is way, way too comfortable thinking we're going to be outscore our opponents no matter what. Let's look back to that Alabama uh, national title game and, and think that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's not let that was painful. That was, that was uh, Alabama doing the uh, anal probe on this fan base uh, to say the least. Gee, Christmas. I hate talking about that game because how <sighs> many, how many defensive, how many starters were we down for that game? Oh, God. A lot, but, but Aaron, I mean, let's be honest. They out schemed us so bad that game. 
Well, I, I don't know that the scheme would have been the same had we had our starters. Yes, it would have. It you was, think they would have played Kerry, three? We still would have tried. Kerry to Combs would have, would have rolled a different game plan out there. Kerry well, Combs had – listen, Kerry Combs is a great recruiter, and I appreciate what he did coaching defensive backs. But that guy was way over his head trying to be a defensive coordinator, man. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I, and I'm not saying we would have won. I'm not disillusioned by any means, okay? Because there was absolutely nothing that we could have done with Devontae Smith in that game. Um, but I really, I, because you're right. I mean, they they stuck tough Borland of all freaking people on Devontae Smith to cover him over the middle. Like, what are you? Why? Why would you do that? It, I'm okay. I'm off my soapbox. Sorry, guys. I just I hate talking about that game. <laughs> <laughs> all righty then moving on chris i think we got some uh, facebook questions we and this this is going to be the bulk of this show because these are some good ones yeah we do have some good ones out there uh and i'm going to start with eric osbeck our buddy eric you know he, he says the defense held iowa to only three points had six turnovers five sacks 10 tackles for loss and even though it's iowa he believes our defense has arrived well you know what eric i agree with you but what the heck happened to the running game? Aaron, why don't you tell us exactly what the heck happened to that running game? Okay, so I kind of uh, touched on it earlier. You know, Iowa attacks gaps, that, and that's, that's also what Alabama does. Alabama does it really well, uh, as does Iowa. Uh, they just have a higher, I guess, caliber of player doing it. But um, that's essentially what happened. We, we run zone inside zone, outside zone a lot, like, like a lot of the spread teams do. Uh, so to be successful in that, you have to create gaps, uh, zones for the guys, for the running backs to run through. And when you play a defense that is fundamentally sound the way that Iowa is and, and disciplined, they attack the gaps and they get to those gaps quickly. Uh, and they do really well at reading their keys. And unfortunately, uh, one of the things that I mentioned in the pre-show is uh, we have to be more physical. We have to out-physical Iowa, and we did not do a great job of doing that. Uh, so that's essentially that's what happened is they shot the gaps, they they attacked them, and we did not do a good job of responding. Aaron, I have a follow-up question to that. Sure. So it seems like to me when we go old school and we bring in like Mitch Rossi and we run 12 personnel and he'll they'll motion him to the backfield. He's almost like a lead blocker, like a fullback. We get and this is usually when we have Mayan Williams in the game and it's usually on the goal line. We're getting three or four yards of pop. Does the does the run blocking change? Do they all of a sudden just put a hat on a hat? It's like, I got this guy, and and let's just be more powerful than them. Is it kind of more old school, and that's why we're getting that great push up front? Whereas it seems like when we're running and we do a lot of like, hey, I'm going to hand it off to you, and you're going to run to the right, and we want you to put your foot in the ground and then get vertical, all of a sudden we're not nearly as like physical on the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, it does change, actually. The, the blocking scheme does change on those plays because it's, it is more power. It's just out of a spread formation. That's, that's the difference. Um, you know, you can, you can run. Believe it or not, you can run ISO out of that. It, most people are just like, well, how do you do that without power? Well, you got Mitch Rossi in there in a certain, you know, in a certain formation. Uh, say he goes to the wing. Well, he can cut through to where... Uh, the gap, the A gap between the, the center and guard and lead Travion or or Mayan up through there and take on the linebacker from that spot. Like you can run ISO plays. It just doesn't look like what you're used to seeing. And it is more of a one on one thing instead of a uh, a gap or a zone for the for one of them to, as you said, plant their foot and get vertical. Mm -hmm. So, yes, to answer your question. OK. Yeah, because it just seems like when we're getting down on the goal line, our running style completely changes. Yeah, it, mo it moves to more power. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't know why we don't do that sometimes in the middle of the field, just to shake things up a little bit. I mean, because I guess I guess we would become more uh, – when we would do that, you would see Mitch Rossi come in. And it's like, oh, well, we know what they're doing, become more you know, uh, able to guess exactly what we're doing. It is a little bit more predictable. I agree. Yes, um 
I think that a lot of it is Ryan Day's philosophy, and you have to pardon the the, the phrase because that team up north used it is is you got to get your talented players, you got to get speed and space. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that's just a football phrase. It's not exclusive to that team up north. They just happen to use it uh, on national television. So um, we've been using it for years. It's 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 an older phrase. Uh, get your talented athletes in space. Uh, you want to get Mayan Williams in a one on one situation with a defender. You want to get Travion, uh, Marvin, any of those guys, get them in a one on one situation and you're going to find out who the better athlete is. And that's that's kind of the philosophy behind uh, what spread offenses are. Beautiful. All right. Thanks for answering that. Sorry, Chris. Didn't, I didn't mean to take it over. I just, I, I needed to get a little bit uh, more education. That That's okay. It's always good to hear Aaron explain it for us. All right. So Eric, this one's coming at you and this comes from Brian Lee Oberst and, and I'm ki- kicking this one over to you, Eric, because this was your player of the game. Our kicking was on point today. I got one more question. Is this what we needed to see from our kicking game? Because you will not always get the TDs. Do you agree we needed a game like this? Mm, Did we need a game like this to have confidence in the kicking game? I don't think so. Like, I mean, I guess it's good to know, Noah, you can do this in a game. But we already knew that. I mean, he did this all of last year. Noah Ruggles has been kicking field goals for five seasons now in Division One college football, and he's pretty doggone good at it. So I don't know that you know the game against Iowa is going to make the difference when we get down to say the CFP or something, or the game against the team up north, and we're down two, and we got the football on the thirty, and it's like, okay, forty-seven yarder for the game. Can you do it? You know, we, we we knew he could already do it. I mean, does does doing it against Iowa make a difference against that in that moment against that team? I don't think so. But I think maybe it changes your perspective, possibly as a play caller to know, OK, we don't have to get the ball inside the 20 to win this game. And so I'm not going to take a chance. I can maybe just uh, you know, they're, they're giving us five yards. Let's take five yards, run it up the middle and then set up for the game winner for a 47 yarder. If anything, maybe that could play a part in, in how you think as a play caller, but overall confident wise, I think we, I think Ryan's already confident in Noah. Okay. So Aaron, here's one for you. And I'm going to try to decipher this cause it's kind of tough to, to decipher a little bit here, but it comes from cat Unger. And she would like to know, would like to know Iowa was not penalized, and then on the very next play we were penalized. And I'm assuming we're talking about the pass inter, uh, interference calls here, the one that they had that was not called, or we had that was not called in the end zone, and then the following one, which was uh, as Iowa was coming back downfield. Uh, says that player was barely touched. And that there was was barely touched, and they get penalized, or we get penalized. So I guess what they're asking, Aaron, is what what is your opinion of what happened with the two pass interference calls, where our guy was clearly clearly mugged. Yeah, it was Jackson Smith the Jigba. Touched. Yeah, it was Jackson Smith the Jigba in the corner of the end zone who got yeah. mugged by Moss. And yeah. then turned right around, and then we get a we get a call, and it was like, oh, where? And Ryan Day was he was upset. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that, and if it's if it's the same play that we got called on that I'm thinking of, I know exactly which one she's talking about with uh, where we where Iowa did not get called, and I think that was simply a missed call. Uh, they definitely should have thrown the flag because his head was not turned, and he was clearly. I mean, it was, I don't know how you missed it, but he was running into JSN, like running into him, no head turned. I'm not even sure that his arms were up. <laughs> so uh, I think that was simply a, a situation where it was a missed call. Um, as for us getting called on a few plays later, uh, I think that that was kind of ticky tack, I'll be honest, uh, because most of the time, you put your hand on their hip or their side that's that is extremely common you can watch that almost every single play 
He didn't change the trajectory or the or the the direction rather of his body. He didn't spin him around. He wasn't holding his jersey. Um, I think that was kind of a BS call in my opinion. But again, it's ticky tack and it's at the hands of the referees. That's the unfortunate side of this sport. And, and I don't know. Uh, I watched a little bit of the replay, Eric. I'm sure you've watched the replay. Was it just me, or did it seem like I was, especially their defensive backs? And their offensive linemen were really handsy all day, and they just did not throw a flag. Whereas they they called some pretty ticky tack stuff on Ohio State. And I understand it's hard to complain when you win fifty four to ten, but it really seemed like there was a twelfth guy out there on the field for Iowa yesterday. What did you think? It, it, it did in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it did. Okay. So Eric, here's one for you. Uh, how about a JSN update? Have you heard anything on his injury? Yeah, so Ryan Day is either playing poker at a level like on a third dimensional level or he's just flat out lying to us. And here's what I mean by that. He told the media he was on a pitch count. The last play apparently that he had uh yesterday is the same one where he comes off the field limping slightly. Um, I've also been told that he has been dealing not only with the hamstring, but he got a little bit banged up on his knee as well. And that is what was hurting him, not his hamstring was a little bit soreness in the knee. So that is what's being is being reported. However, who knows? I'll say this much. His dad was awful confident that he's going to be fine. Yeah. So. And and his dad let every let me he let everybody else know and you can watch this video on our Facebook page we're going to post it later on. Jackson is his his whole focus is about getting healthy for Michigan the Big Ten championship and the college football playoff run. So uh, today was about getting healthy enough to get ready for Penn State. I'm not sure how many more uh, pitches, if you will, he's going to have against the Nittany Lions next Saturday than what he had against Iowa this week. But their focus is on the end of the season and 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 further. And that's what it's all about. So all the rumors about JSN is going to hang it up and he's just going to be there. He's not going to play this season and he's just going to get ready for the NFL. That is not true. Their focus is completely on winning gold. Okay. All right. Now, Aaron, we got a question for you coming from Florida, buddy. It's our buddy Lenny. All right. He says, if I remember correctly, you said Iowa plays pretty basic coverage. They don't really try to disguise the coverage. Why do you think Stroud struggled and seemed so confused at times throwing two bad picks, although one was called back by the penalties? Was Iowa's defense just that good? They were that good, um, and I did say that they play a pretty vanilla defense, and they did. They didn't disguise much that I saw. Um, <clears throat> what they do is they get to their zones, and they stay, and they let Ohio State's receivers run right to them. That is a good case of film study because uh, they Ohio State is not overly complicated in what they do. They just do it well, and Iowa was simply at the <laughs> – at the the point where the ball usually is at. So that threw C.J. Stroud completely off, and the interceptions, I think, was a case of trying to force it a little bit. Um, But, yeah, I did not see them really disguise their coverages all day. They just simply stay home, they're disciplined, and they had good film study. Can Can I add to this real fast? Absolutely. C.J. needs to run the football a little bit just to keep defenses honest. Man, that's crazy. Someone else said that weeks ago, didn't they? I think so. I I can't tell you, Chris. You saw it too. Yeah. He could have ran for a first down at least Both four or times. five times, and he just is not doing it. And it's because defenses know he won't do it, so they're sitting back ten, fifteen yards, blanketing the receivers, and they're just daring him to to run, and he won't do it. If he starts running a little bit, and he doesn't have to be Justin Fields or JT Barrett, 
But if he just starts running the football a little bit and give defenses something to think about, it'll also help not only the receivers get open more, but it's going to help our running game more in general. Hey, Eric. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in the last few weeks, we have seen him run a little bit more. Well, but he's still he's hesitating, though. More mobile. Do you think that that big shot he took right on the first offensive possession or, or on the the possession where he fumbled, that big shot, do you think that had anything to do with him second guessing? It guess shouldn't. Not if he's, a, not if he's an athlete. It dude, should. But do you that, think that gets in his head? If, if that gets in his head, then he has no business winning a Heisman, dude. Or being the leader of 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 a of the number two team in the nation, you as a quarterback, you got to let that stuff go, man. You're a football player, right? Absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just asking, do you think it's possible that it got in his head? Dude, I, I hope not. I don't even. I wouldn't even call that a big shot. He got shoved to the ground pretty aggressively, but I would not say that that was a big shot. I saw Bryce Young get absolutely destroyed by Tennessee play after play, and he kept coming for more. CJ's there. No, I'm with I'm with Eric and you, Chris. I that I don't think that played a factor. I think that is liturgy. That's just him. He said it last year. He doesn't run the ball because he's not a running back. Plain and simple. He just won't run it. All right. I hate to say this, guys. I'm afraid it's going to cost us. It might. I, I don't. He and honestly, you know, I think that if it's a national title game or the semifinal or something, and, and the game's on the line, I he may do it. He may catch us all by surprise. And that, you know, I'm not saying it's by design, but we know he can run a little bit. Sure. You know what his first touchdown his run first, ever? His first play was that Michigan yeah. State touchdown. It was, it was a touchdown run. run. Yeah. Yeah. Like forty, fifty yards, some craziness. But yeah, he can do it. And and I don't. I think that he's he's saving that card for when it's absolutely needed. Okay, so our last question, and, it, and it's a multiple part question, comes from Nick Quentin. Some of these, Nick, I'm not going to address because I think we've already talked about a little bit of what happened with the offense in the first half. But some of these are really good questions. Uh, one of these, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to both of you. What do we need to work on before the PSU game? There's a lot we could work on. I'll tell you this much. If we run the football against Penn State like we did against Iowa, it's going to be a very, very close football game. I'll tell you that right now. Aaron? Yeah, I I think uh, physicality on the offensive line. Uh, I think we need to clean up. Some of that, or not necessarily clean it up, but improve it, I guess. Uh, they've they've been pretty physical all season long, but Iowa was kind of the first real physical test that we've had, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But I, I think that that kind of showed us like, hey, there's, you know, Notre Dame's decent, but we still ran the ball on them. Iowa was not that way. And I think that that taught us about teams that attack gaps versus just simply play a technique. And I, th- I think that is something that we need to improve on because that's kind of the next wave of defensive front play is attacking gaps. Now, Aaron, is this something that we can actually address in one week, I guess would be my biggest question, because is this simply a, a technique thing that we can we can fix? Is this an attitude thing or, or is this, you know, something else altogether? Uh, no, it's it's not an, an attitude thing. It's it's and I I, I don't want to say it's a technique thing. It's it's a play call thing. It's okay. it's they're gonna have to get coached up. This is on Coach Fry to watch the film and observe and and watch. And I'm sure he knows. You know what I mean. But maybe they didn't coach it as well as what they wanted to, or maybe they didn't have. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't a great week of practice. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell from from this side of things, but. It's it is something that the coaches are going to have to address, and it is a scheming thing. They're going to have to pay attention because if if we can't zone run, then maybe power running is what we need to do, and it, it also goes into play calling. So it's uh, it's one of those things. Michigan absolutely manhandled Penn State on the line of scrimmage. If yes. we go into if we go in Saturday, and we are not manhandling Penn State at the line of scrimmage, what does that say? to the football world. And what does that say to our arrival at the end of the season? Okay. 
again, I go back. I've already said this earlier in the show, and I've said it multiple times this season. Ryan Day has preached physicality and toughness all offseason because he knew we were not tough enough against Michigan last year, which is why we got beat. If we go into Saturday playing patty cake with them and we are not establishing the line of scrimmage and our D and our running backs are getting hit in the backfield and only getting one or two yards of run, I'm telling you right now, we're in trouble at the end of the year. I know I, I, I I'm as I'm telling you as a Buckeye fan, I've watched enough of that team to know we might be more talented and we might have more five stars, but right now they are playing with tremendous confidence and they are playing with tremendous physicality. Yeah, and those they, two they things, those two things will beat five stars almost every time. Oh yeah, yeah, great. They, they can definitely run the ball. They are physical and they can control the clock, which is what you know. As good as our offense is, if it can't get on the field, it's not going to matter. Or as good as our passing game is, if if they're controlling the ball and we aren't doing our part to to keep our defense fresh by keeping you know long sustained drives, they're just going to wear us down and destroy us. That game's going to be a war at the end of the year, guys. And I'm telling yeah. you, when it comes to war in football, <laughs> it's it's the tough man. It's the t- who's toughest, you know. Yep. Absolutely. It's 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 almost back to Woody and Bo type football here. You know who's going to come out and be the smarter the smarter athlete, the tougher athlete for sixty minutes. That's what it's going to come down to. And this is a great litmus test for us this week, it, going into a hostile environment against a team that considers you their biggest rival, who hates you, who doesn't want you doesn't want you to win, who's going to give everything they've got, who, who's now. Confident. If you watch that game Saturday night, they blew out Minnesota. Yeah, blew Minnesota them out. Didn't have Tanner Morgan though either. They didn't have Tanner Morgan, but they did have Muhammad Ibrahim, who still ran for over 100 yards, and it didn't matter. I'm just telling you right now, this is not the same Penn State team that I watched a week ago in Ann Arbor. It is not. Something happened. They got their butt kick, and it got real to them, and they showed up. And I think they are going to come for bear against Ohio State next week. It's going to be a war. And if Ohio State's not ready, we're going to be in one of those fourth quarter, 60 minutes, a traditional Penn State, Ohio State game. It's going to come down to the, you know, maybe even overtime again type of thing. And if we don't improve our physicality, now if we establish the line of scrimmage in the run game and they've got to worry about us running the football, guess what? That's going to open up the passing game. We're going to blitzkrieg them. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's Thursday's show. So this game, what you're saying, Eric, is either three points or 30 points. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Okay. So the rest of Nick's question goes a little something like this. This is a two-parter involving Jackson Smith and Jake. What do you think is going on with him? Is he injured or is it mental? I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's a bit mental. I don't think there's a bit of a mental thing going on with this. Is he injured? Yeah, I think he's probably nursing a little bit of, of nagging injuries. But I think it's what you talked about earlier, earlier, Eric. I think there's a pitch count on this kid. I don't think we're going to see a lot of him. You know, you and I talked with his dad. Uh, you, you did the interview with him. And he, he's, he's going to be ready. He's going to be ready for that stretch run, uh, you know, going after the championship. So I'm not too worried about that. And I know there's nothing mental there, uh, you know. But here, here's the big part of his question. Should we sit JSN for the rest of the season or let him recover and try and bring him back? You know, I he, he says this is a debatable question. I don't know how much debate's there. Aaron, what's your take on it? Uh, I, I think you're right, Chris. I, I really don't think that it's a mental thing. I think he really is dinged up to an extent. And I, I think they want him 100% healthy, not 97 or 99. They want him 100% ready to go when we absolutely need him the most. The only problem I see is, is like he's not getting quality reps. So like when it's really game time, and I know he's proven it in the past, but that's also with a season, a full season of play behind him. You know, he, he didn't perform at the Rose Bowl after not after not playing in 10 games you know he played the whole season he was kind of the lifeblood when Olave and and Wilson couldn't get open there was JSN and 
he's not getting that this season. So I, I but to answer your question, I, I do think that it's an actual injury. I don't think that it's it's mental at all. Eric, what do you think? Should we sit him or should we keep trying to get him in there? Oh, he needs to play. Uh, I, there's no sitting for me. No play. I, uh, I, 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 my philosophy is the left tackle of Tennessee. I'm going to throw up, look at the defense after I throw up and shake my head. Like, Oh yeah, I'm coming after you. You <laughs> thought you had me. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you see that guy? Have you <laughs> seen did. that? Yeah. That was cool. That's, that's how I live my life, man. I'm going to throw up and I hope you saw it because I'm coming after you. I don't care what you think of me. So yeah, he, no, there's no sitting here, man. Yeah, I'm time, with you, Eric. Time to play I, ball. I don't think it's much of a debatable question either. Yeah, I'm okay with giving him a pitch count for a few games. But sure. like Aaron, I'm a little bit worried about the uh, the rust coming back onto the field if he sits too much. So, yeah. It's, I'm it's, it's, nice that you, it's nice that we can afford to even say pitch count because we have Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Ibuka, and Julian Fleming out there lighting the world on fire right now. And how awesome is it that fi- we finally have a healthy Julian Fleming to show us what he can do? Because if we didn't have those three guys right now, imagine where we would be right now. We'd be begging for JSN to get back, right? And he yeah. might have pushed himself to get back a little bit more. But when you have those three guys that, you, that are consistently doing what they're doing, you know, yeah. Great. You know, then you can afford to do that. But I, I'm I'm at the point now where it's it's time to play ball. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, guys. Well, those were some great poll questions we had uh, from our listeners. Uh, Aaron, I think it's time to take a trip around that wonderful, wonderful Big Ten. Can you can you take us there? I don't want to. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, okay. You know how we 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 had something we're going to describe the Big Ten every week. Yeah. Okay. If if what we thought we were was Cedar Point, the Big Ten is Geauga Lake. Dude, don't dog <laughs> Geauga Lake. I haven't been there, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> so. I, I would take it. I would take a step further. If if we thought we were Cedar Point, you know, maybe we're Wine Dot Lake. Whoa, why dot lake? Which, That's uh, old school there. Zumbizi Bay. <laughs> yeah, we got to go call it what it is now. <laughs> oh lord. Wine dot lake wasn't that bad. Come on. Anyway, they right, had a let's, wave pool, right? Yeah, they had a wave pool. I almost drowned in when I was eleven, but it's all good. I've forgotten it. It's uh, in the past. You're not now. scarred or nothing. <laughs> no, not at all. Nobody saved me. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rutgers takes down Indiana, and believe it or not, I saw a stat on the ESPN ticker that mentioned something about like 20-something games straight that they have lost at home in conference play, and that snapped it. Could you imagine being the fan of a team that lost 20-some games at home in conference? That's what it is to be a Rutgers fan. But either way, they they pulled off the win against Indiana 24-17. Uh, Wisconsin shocks me. Uh, they took down Purdue 35 to 24. And then in another surprising uh, result, Maryland 31, Northwestern 24. What happened there, guys? Uh, and then you were surprised that Northwestern actually scored 24 points or that. Maryland- well, Jason Monk will tell you Northwestern changed their quarterback to that kid from Michigan who uh, is friends with uh, him and his family. And, uh, He's, he'd warned us. He said Northwestern will be better when they put this kid in at quarterback. So props maybe to Jason Muff for calling it. Maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Did uh, Talia play? Because I know he was hurt. Like they carted him off the field last week. So I didn't know if he was in the game or not. That makes a big difference for Maryland. But I'm not sure. Uh, either way, Ohio State, as we all know, 54 to 10 over Iowa. And then finally, Penn State rocked Minnesota. 45 to 17. Are we done depressing everybody? I'm done depressing myself. Uh, every <laughs> everyone else can do with that information what they want. Hey, let me let me add let me let me help everybody out. It, it was bad. Okay, we all know it was bad. The Big Ten is bad. Iowa's offense was bad. But did you all see that Duke beat Miami and Miami had eight turnovers? No. Wow. 
you know, Iowa should feel bad enough about turning over the ball six times to Ohio State, which is a top five defense. But Miami turned it over eight times to Duke. I guess that's something Kirk Ferentz would tell the locker room. You know, hey, we turned it over six times, but you know what, guys? There's always someone worse. <laughs> you know, I mean, I uh, what do you say after that? That's insane. Eight turnovers Eight and you lost to Duke. Come turnovers on. and you're lost to Duke, a basketball team. wonder if Mar- Mario Cristobal's glad he left Oregon now. Who's, who's looking great, by the way. Yeah, he looked pretty good. So, man, interesting stuff, guys. All right, man, that's that's our show for this week. Uh, make sure you come back and check us out Thursday where we're going to preview uh, the Penn State game. I'm sure Kevin Egan and I will have some kind of good um, good bet going on, and maybe we can bring him on Thursday a little bit uh, to talk to us before the game. Um, boy, he was down in that, uh, again, that two weeks ago when Sean uh, won some money. Also. <laughs> so, uh We'll see what happens here. Uh, we'll see if we can't get Kevin on on Thursday. But if either way, we're going to preview the game against the Nittany Kittens. Uh, big trip. This is uh, the second trip of the season for Ohio State. And uh, should be a very interesting game. I'm glad it's a noon game. I think I'm glad. We'll find out after at about 3.30 if I'm glad it's a noon game or not. But uh, that whiteout uh, crowd... They'll be back. Don't you worry. They'll be back. They're just not going to be there at 730 making all kinds of noise like they did against Minnesota. But they will be there at noon cheering loud and proud for Penn State. And we'll see if Ohio State can jump out on the lead, maybe quiet that crowd a little bit. Ohio State's got a pretty good streak going right now, too, where they've scored uh, 45 points or more six straight games in a row, which is the first time any Big Ten team has done that since Michigan did it. In 1903, Here we go. there's your stat for the week. So that that's going to be on the line. We'll see if we can't get uh, 45 points or more against Penn State. Right now, I think the the uh, line is 15 points is what came out. Ohio State by 15 is what Vegas is thinking. I'll take that. I'll be honest. I'll take that. that that's Absolutely. much more realistic than we usually get. It is. But so far this year, Ohio State against the line has done very, very well. We, we've – We've done great against the line this year. So we'll see if uh, maybe we can get ourselves a three-score type of win, 20, 21 or more. That'd be nice. All right. As always, be kind to one another. Uh, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. Until next time, OH. I owe. I owe. Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hios praise and songs through Amamaterain. While our hearts rebounding thrill. And joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, yo Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.